You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, listeners. Just a quick reminder that if you want to support this podcast and continue to allow me to bring you quality programming on the adult industry and sexuality in general, that joining my Patreon is something that really helps me out. At patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered, you get access to watch these interviews live, which means you get them way before they are released on the free platforms. Plus, you get access to free prints. I give away free books, memberships to my website, access to my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life with Eva, as well as exclusive behind-the-scenes interviews with your favorite stars that I do not release on the public platforms. So go to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered and join me there. Hi, I'm Holly Randall and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer, Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Today, my guest is Amy Taylor, a high-end escort with many years of experience in her profession. I'm so appreciative that she agreed to come on. This is a career choice that holds so much stigma around it, and very few women agree to come out in person to talk about it. And Amy isn't just anyone. She's an elegant, well-educated woman who is not only a Mensa member, but also holds a license as a commercial pilot. Speaking to Amy, you really get the sense that she chose this line of work with careful consideration. And believe it or not, after all these years, she still seems to truly love her job. She speaks of all the incredible experiences she's had, the places she's traveled, and the fascinating people she's met. She's someone who truly appreciates the company of men and enjoys the luxury of getting paid to provide companionship to those who can afford it. Because believe me, my friends, Amy's time does not come cheap. But after sitting down with her for over an hour, I can understand why you would pay top dollar to command this woman's attention. She's eloquent, cultured, and incredibly interesting. Now, I know that it's really easy to dismiss someone like Amy and not consider her work valuable. But she makes a strong argument that people need companionship. We are social creatures after all. And some people, for whatever reason, be it time constraints, personal issues, social anxieties, or physical obstacles, want to help, maybe they need to pay for that companionship. Society sells us on the idea that intimacy should be something earned through an emotional endeavor, but can you really say that all of your personal encounters have truly been in the search of that somewhat elusive definition of true love? Or do you just sometimes want to be with someone to fulfill a physical need with no strings attached? Now, I have a Facebook group, and if you haven't checked it out, come join us. It's at 
facebook.com slash groups slash Holly Randall unfiltered. And in there, I posted a promotional clip for my interview with Amy just yesterday. And one member in particular said something that really struck me. I'm actually going to read his post verbatim because I just thought the way he put this was, was really well done and just so important. So he says, being in a wheelchair, I have been an advocate for the legalization of escorts. And I know a lot of people are going to deny this. I don't care. I am just going to tell it like it is. A lot of people will not look past physical limitation when getting into a relationship. People with special needs need an intimate outlet. So, I mean, right there, you have it. There's one real life example of someone who, through no fault of their own, struggles to find a woman due to the limitations of his own physicality. So should he be denied the comfort of a feminine touch simply because people can't look past the wheelchair? Does he not have needs? And can we not acknowledge that reality is not altogether charitable and that sometimes we need to pay for the things that we want and that there are people out there who are willing to perform these services? So really, who are we to say what two consenting adults can do with their money and their bodies? Look, I understand this is a highly controversial subject and the answers are not so black and white. There are dangers, there are repercussions, and there will always be people who abhor the idea of escorting. But my hope is to at least provide my audience with an alternative way to think about the sex industry. And maybe I can chip away at those inherent biases that keep us so deeply rooted in our own fear of sexuality and the many different forms that it can take. So thank you, Amy, for shedding light on a very misunderstood and maligned industry. Your bravery to speak up for other women in your place and the people you provide for is much appreciated. So let's hear from the woman herself, Amy Taylor. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am very excited. I have a very unique guest on today. I have Amy Taylor, fitness model, pilot, um, impressive degree holder, and also professional companion. How are you, Amy? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me here. It's Thank an it's you. an honor. Thank you. I'm I'm really excited to have you here. I've never spoken to anybody in your specific career path, so I'm excited about this. What people do just and I have a lot. <laughs> I have so many questions. I actually wrote them <laughs> oh all <boy>. down. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um. So let's start off with uh, how were your holidays? Because we're just coming back from the holidays. How were yours? Nice, lovely. Yeah. Um, went uh, home to Northern California. Mm-hmm. Saw my family oh, and. Cool. Dis- Despite my decisions in life, they love me. So I'm lucky. A lot of women in my business uh, are estranged from mm-hmm. their families, uh, which adds to the difficulty yeah. of sort of stigma and, you know. Absolutely. Um, I'm lucky. We had to go through that uh, a period of time because uh, I am out of the closet about the way that I choose to live. Right. Uh, it was difficult for them. I think it still is, mm-hmm. but uh, they love me. Mm-hmm. In spite of their difficulty of my choices, so so I'm really lucky. That's fantastic. Um, so yeah, Chris, Christmas Hanukkah, we do both. Oh, that's was cool. Nice. Um, and uh, before that, uh, went to the UK. And sometimes it's nice to see how a different culture treats my particular industry. It's a yeah, lot different in London. Really, I would argue it's better. But um, hmm. 
Uh, probably, but it's not problem free. Never is. Anyway. Right. Is there one particular country that you've been to that you feel like is the most accepting of what you do? Yeah. Well, I, God, where they've treated sex worker, you mm-hmm. know, female attention work, because it's not always sex at all, despite what people would like it to, to like to say it is. Mm-hmm. It is not. Um, the ability of women to monetize our attention to men in sometimes sort of sexual or sensual ways, mm-hmm. uh, online or offline, is pretty much stigmatized everywhere. Right. Countries have dealt with it in different ways. I think um, where they just outright legalize straight up sex for money, mm-hmm. it becomes a little bit reductionist because that is not always what clients want. Right. Um, some countries have sort of legalized virtual versions of it the cam girls i think mm-hmm. america's sort of that way yeah you can be a cam girl which is very much an online version of companionship absolutely these girls tell me they have very regular clients and deep friendships yes and community evidently between the fans even yeah absolutely it's actually really cool because the avn show is coming up for us that's like the big adult um you know like oscars award show but also like a huge convention and um, one of my really good friends, Bailey Rain, is a very popular cam model, and a lot of her big fans come to the show. And it's actually really sweet because I remember there was this one situation where she needed to go to the bathroom, and sometimes like it's dangerous for girls to walk around that convention like without an escort of some kind because some fans get grabby or they just you know step over the line, and so she had. This, this guy who was one of her cam regulars literally like escorting her, like almost acting as security. And it was so interesting that mm. she had met him, you know, in that way. And then he was there to like protect her from like other, yeah, not kinds like him, but you know what I mean? Like she had that kind of trust in him, um, that he was like kind of provided as this kind of security. I just thought, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. All manner of things can develop. I have several retired girlfriends who've married clients mm. and are quite happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that doesn't happen, but uh, people meet in all kinds of ways and uh, people are lonely, you know, mm-hmm. in this world, everybody's on I think, devices all day. And I think it's getting worse too. Yes, it is. Uh, and so I have a problem with a world that shames uh, an industry that's trying to simply provide attention for people, which people need. It's literally a human need. Yeah. It is neither a crime nor a sin. Right. Uh, that said, The places where they've done a lot of legalization, decriminalization of this sort of straight reductionist sex for money thing, Mm -hmm. it's not problem-free either. There are workplace abuses in brothels or the clubs in Germany. I mean, Mm -hmm. those are sort of labor issues, which are definitely more easily addressed in a legitimized industry. Right. Um, But like all labor, particularly labor that's done by the young and underskilled and where there are very high profit margins, Mm -hmm. you do. And then the double nature of what I do is it's uh, inherently closeted. Right. uh, Because the customer can't be so open about the fact that he's paid for the person who's at dinner with him. Right. Uh, There's sort of shame around that. You know, Mm -hmm. they didn't really like you if you had to pay or whatever these. Right. And so it's an... I don't know how open it can, I don't know how totally out in the open something can be mm-hmm. if, you know, half the parties in the transaction want it to remain private, that that's what it is. Right. Uh, that's sort of a byproduct of the nature of what's being sold and bought. Right. Uh, Do you ever any, have any clients who are open about it? Yes. 
some are perfectly open to mm. their families to, yeah, that's a very rare evolved person. <laughs> they tend to be far more at peace with the way they've chosen to live. Right. But they tend to have a have to have, they have to have a life where they can be. Mm. So often that has to be a person who is self-employed or doesn't have to work. Independently wealthy. All that. Yeah. If somebody's got leverage over you, then anything you do that's sort of counterculture or against societal norms can sort of be used to uh, make your life uncomfortable if they so choose. Right. So like, you know, somebody's married or somebody's got a corporate gig. Yeah. Those are dangerous things to be open about, right? right. Closeting doesn't come from people liking the status of being a liar. It right. comes from self-protection. Right. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, trying to deal with the stigma that society has against what you do. Not even necessarily like that they feel like a personal level of shame, but just the fact that, you know, the the pressure that they get from outside influences. Yeah, I find um, a lot of women dislike companions. Mm -hmm. I guess you're sort of a scab on the union line of women, maybe. <laughs> um, and so the data is pretty clear on this, is where, where women, in societies in which women are weaker mm -hmm. economically, and, yeah. Uh, women police each other's behavior much more. Yeah. Especially their sexual behavior. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because sex remains a bargaining chip that women can use. I was just going to say that because, you know, we've been raised to believe that what we have is this precious prize that we only give away to the highest bidder. Indeed. You know what I mean? So it's like selling sex in a whole different way. Oh, indeed it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, marriage was the sale of a woman. Right. For most of human history. Yeah. Literally um. <laughs> was the sale of a woman. Dowries yeah. and all that. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. And in most, many countries, a woman is still the husband's financial responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And he's sort of taking her from her father as a right. liability, but also an asset because <laughs> yeah. she's going to produce offspring. Right. Yeah. So subverting that system, I exist in a world in, in which still men have most of the power and the money, mm -hmm. even here. And I have it better than most. Mm -hmm. My take on it was given that I have been born into this system – I'm going to use the bargaining chip I have, my looks and my ability to enjoy traveling with an older gentleman who may not be particularly young and hot, but is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. I, I personally like that for whatever reason. I don't know. It mm -hmm. works for me. Mm -hmm. my, my father's much older than my mom. Perhaps it's genetic. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I dated much older men long before I was a companion. Mm -hmm. I was doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, I decided to just uh, use the tool that I had, my mm -hmm. youth, beauty, and femininity. Yeah. Is that a good or bad thing? I'm not sure it's either. I, I exist in a system that is the way it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the movies you produce, people love porn. I watch it every day. Everybody does. Right. It's If you're going to be a woman in porn, better to own your content and produce it and right. take some agency. Mm -hmm. and, Which uh, is the, what a lot of women are doing these days. Well, the abolitionist argument is ridiculous, right? Policing... Yeah. Sexuality? Well, you're never gonna. What are you gonna get rid of it? It's an adaptive strategy. We got to make people, so we're <laughs> yeah. we're probably always gonna like to fuck. <laughs> this is true. I don't think you're gonna get rid of that with any laws or any punishments. Or yeah, that's not gonna happen. Right. So one has to work within the system. One exists. Right. Mm -hmm. I used to work in biotech after undergrad, and I didn't love animal testing. Yet, mm. much of what we, much of the medicine we take, and the things that have improved human life. That's that's how they came about. Right. You know, so whether I'm in an evil industry, whether I'm in an industry that hurts women or empowers women, I think it definitely depends on whose reality you're uh, looking at. Right? right. Whose perspective are you looking at? The antis would say that I'm a victim who has become a perpetrator. Mm. I'm a person who 
you know, perhaps I've got daddy issues or I've, you know, male hegemony has made me have to use my youth and beauty while I had it to survive. And then because I've become supportive of it, that I'm now some sort of a perpetrator of violence against women. But haven't we always used like youth and beauty? It's just like, you know, you look at these models who sell a product and, you know, they're using youth and beauty, like say a Victoria's Secret model, but that's perfectly acceptable. I mean, ultimately what we know they're selling is sex, right? Of course. But when you're actually selling sex, it becomes like this incredibly, um, you know, stigmatized thing. Yeah. But it's like everything that we do, like all of our media and, you know, our commercials and so much of our society is wrapped up in, in the idea of, of, of women selling sex in one way or another. So it's like we're our own hypocrites. Yeah, I think it is because sex was was a power chip for women. And so you had to handle it with great care. It was yeah. the TNT of women's existence when we had little else to right. – In societies where women are much more equal economically, they don't give a shit what other women are doing. Yeah, You see it. it mm-hmm. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, so the solution is sort of feminism and equality. Wow as always, but why don't we want that? I don't know. We're afraid of change and we're stupid. We're stupid animals, maybe. (laughs) But I mean, uh, yes, selling, and so, okay, why does sex make people sort of uncomfortable? Why is it this thing that's sort of relegated to private? uh, Some people think that's religion Mm -hmm. because it was considered sinful. Mm -hmm. Some people think it's because we like to be special. We don't want to think of the person who makes love to us as throwing their hot dog down any hallway because <laughs> then we're not special mm-hmm. and that's sort of a blow to the ego maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are jealous creatures mm-hmm. sometimes when you start to really, when your head gets involved and you start to love somebody, mm-hmm. there are very evolved people, your parents. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. I don't know that most are so evolved. Maybe. Right. We don't know because everybody lies. But You know, I had a guest on kind of at the very beginning of my podcast. Um, do you know Chris Ryan? He yeah. wrote Sex at Dawn. Have you read Sex at Dawn? No, I need to. Oh, God, it's so good. Okay, I will. So one of his arguments that I just found so interesting and I often think about a lot is how he, so from his perspective, um, during the hunter and gathering days before agriculture came along, Monogamy wasn't really a thing. You know, people were a small, tight-knit group. Um, You know, everybody shared everything. It was very egalitarian. Everybody shared everything, and that included, like, sexual partners. And so when you had a child, it kind of didn't matter whose child it was because the group raised that child as one, right? Because you're all together. You share everything. It wasn't until agriculture came along and then the idea of owning land and therefore the idea of owning surplus of of crops and food that the idea of ownership came along at all. And that's when monogamy came into play because a man who had, you know, Create, gotten this land, had farmed it, had made himself rich through surplus of food, whatever. He then wanted to know that the child that he was having, that he would pass this onto, was his own child, not some other man's child. So that's when the idea of having a woman and she only bearing your children came into play. And that's where monogamy Began. I get it. And I thought that was really interesting. Oh, yeah. All of my clients who were married, their wife was the mother of their children, and mm-hmm. uh, they would have been 
absolutely devastated mm-hmm. to have her running around and not taking care of their children that were sort of their legacy and their future. Right. And then there's a lot of societal shame if your kids aren't properly taken care of, what's wrong with you, mm-hmm. which is probably a good thing. We Our children do require a lot of care. Right. We're not like horses. We're not born ready to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, soft fontanels and all this stuff. We you know, have to take care of human babies yeah. for a while. So, yeah, I mean, I would argue for more shared parental care instead of corralling women as this sort of vehicle for for caring for your offspring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do see that in some sort of a little bit more progressive countries. Mm-hmm. Their parental duties are more shared and promiscuity is less of a panic button and uh, yeah. it's nicer. And also, well, also too, you know, our culture has come to a point where, you know, you're supposed to move out of your parents' house as soon as you're of age and then you're supposed to have your own dwelling and then you find somebody and you guys create a partnership and then you have a child and then either one of you works or maybe both of you work because now you need like dual income to be able to afford anything in this city. For sure. And so, you know, the child is left to be reared by maybe a nanny or something like that. Whereas in, in still in many cultures, other cultures today, you know, the family unit always stayed together. The grandparents stayed on and mm. they would help take care of the child and maybe the aunts and the uncles and the cousins. And it was it was like a family unit that would help raise the child. Yeah. But now we've isolated ourselves so yeah. much. You know, the family is very much like a nuclear family, like husband, wife, and the kids. For sure. So raising a child has become more challenging now. For sure. Yeah, and the way we did it was division of labor, right? The mm-hmm. man worked and provided, and the woman stayed home and raised kids. Right. And that's fine. That's how I was raised. My mother was a stay-at-home mom for the most part. She worked a bit from home, but for mm-hmm. the most part was the cookie-baking PTA president, typical suburban mom. It was maybe nice to grow up with, but for me, true freedom from you know hegemony and oppression is choice. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no problem with women who want that more traditional life. Yeah. You do you, lady. Yeah. Do what you want. Yeah. I wanted to shoot guns and fly planes and fuck who I want and live really as freely and fully as as sometimes men are allowed to. And I'm, I'm not saying men don't have constraints. Mm-hmm. The in, unbelievable pressure on them to provide or mm-hmm. be a loser. We were talking mm-hmm. about incels earlier. Yeah. The unbelievable pressure to get women and to be a man, to be masculine, and not to delineate from anything that might make you less masculine. Yeah, you see men on the internet shaming each other for being nice to women, as if that's sort of inherently less less masculine. Yeah. You know, yeah. being a shitbag is not being a man. <laughs> um, but, but choice is important, right? Mm-hmm. And so the way that I was wired was not, I never dreamt of marriage and babies. And, mm-hmm. you know, my sister's got kids and she's doing that and that's great. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I want to exist in a world where I can navigate the way that I like as long as I'm not hurting other people. Mm -hmm. And the argument to be made about my industry, of course, is you are hurting people. Other women. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it's as black and white as that. Mm. Some women don't care Mm -hmm. if their husband has a companion. Some of the men do not have a wife and they're single. They're either using their assets to get a woman who's more beautiful than what they could get or goes away when they don't want to deal with her. Mm-hmm. Pay them to go away, I think, as they say. They People will always use their resources to build the life they want. Right. And, uh, and so it, I am basically paid to be nice to guys. <laughs> <laughs> you go skiing with them and stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm sort of a, a dog. <laughs> like I'm, I'm your pe- <laughs> and turns out you can get paid big be- big bucks to be nice to people. Yeah. And it feeds my ego. It's nice to be nice to people. Right. I mean, 
there's a lot of careers where that's basically what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I personally feel like I would so much prefer if my partner was having sex with somebody where it was a more transactional, um, a transactional relationship. Yeah. Because for me, it's not about like the sex. It was about the possibility of an emotional attachment that maybe pulled him away from my emotional attachment to him. Of course. It's true. You know, it's funny. My mom used to always say um, that she wished that she would say concubine. She would say that she that she wished my dad had a concubine so that like she she could like take on some of the burden. And my mom didn't have to do all the work. <laughs> my ex was a baseball player. I would have loved for him to have a concubine to talk endlessly about baseball with. <laughs> I could have taken some of that off of me. Nothing against baseball. Don't at me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the idea, so we are jealous creatures. You want the love of the person you love. Mm-hmm. But it might be a little bit delusional to assume that you can be everything to them. Right. Even all of their emotional attention. Yeah. Forget sex. Sex is the thing. They're, mm-hmm. they're married couples or together people who their sex drives differ mm-hmm. or their sexual preferences differ. Mm-hmm. They find solutions where they find them mm-hmm. so that they can stay together. God, and that is so true. You know, it's so often that people get married and they get together and then like the woman's interest in sex may drop off and the men don't. Yes. And then, and then they get into the situation where like the men are watching porn and then you get the women who are jealous of their men watching porn and believe that that's a form of cheating. I've heard of that. So, which is crazy to me. What's the threat? Is that porn stars are beautiful? Or? I guess so. Or that you're thinking of another woman. Like when you masturbate, you should always be thinking of your wife. Like give me a break. A like, lady, are you thinking of your husband every time? Yeah, never. Never. Even of Chris Hemsworth. We all know. I know, right? <laughs> whoever. whoever it's funny, actually. My boyfriend did say to me something the other day about, like, thinking about me. And I was like, don't be stupid. You don't think about me. And I totally don't expect you to. Like, he probably ab- mostly is. But he might think be thinking about you doing some weird stuff you don't want to do. What about that? Yeah. What if, I mean, if you've ever met a dominatrix, they cater often to very end-of-the-bell-curve mm-hmm. needs. Yeah. And... What is one to do if tell one's spouse, this is my thing, and your yeah. spouse says that's totally unacceptable to me? Okay, so now do we get divorced, and yeah. is that better or worse? I'm not sure. Right. I think, what did Dan Savage say, monogamish? I think we humans, like many mammals, are mm. monogamish. Mm. We tend to have a favorite person, mm-hmm. either for a while or for life. Mm-hmm. My parents have been married 50 years. They've both had their peccadillos over time. Mm-hmm. They, they have. Yeah. But they are each other's favorite person. So nobody, yeah. nobody's leaving. Yeah. I've struggled with monogamy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard, right? My parents were swingers. So they, um, oh. yeah. So they, you know, I mean, they are definitely each other's favorite person and they're still together. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm pretty sure they don't swing anymore. That'd be but, impressive. Um, yeah. I mean, my dad's like almost 80. <laughs> like dad. my mom's like 73. Just, but hey, you never know. Just be careful, dad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was never like, it was never jealousy was never like an issue with them. Can I ask, when did they decide to tell you? Because at some point you need to be old enough to understand this, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember them ever like specifically telling me. They've always just been really open and free with everything pretty much. And like I never, there's never been any shaming about sexuality and I always kind of knew what they did for a living. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I guess being raised by them, I never encountered those like shameful boundaries to bounce up against because they weren't, to grow up. I, they weren't built, you know, 
in my family. When did you realize that the way that you were f- so lucky to grow up wasn't sort of the American norm? Um, same thing. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Like, cool. I think it was just something that I figured out over time, but like it, there wasn't like a real epiphany of a moment, you know? Um, I mean, I do remember when I was in elementary school kind of realizing, you know, as I got older, my friends got older and they started to understand what sex was and stuff like that, that, you know, my parents cautioned me against telling people what they did for a living, you know, because it could cause a little bit of uproar among in the school and among my friends and their parents, you know what I mean? They, they didn't want the focus of, you know, my, you know, fifth grade life to be like what my parents did for a living. So mm-hmm. I always kind of skirted around that topic sure but there was never like any personal sense of shame about that my father grew up well we're hungarian on my father's side but he was a refugee mm-hmm. uh being born in 1941 as a jew in hungary was not a great place to be wow so um they uh were allowed to go to paris but he was stateless he was a refugee and then as a youth he went to amsterdam mm-hmm. so that's where he went to grammar school uh, high school, college, and then he came to America on a scholarship mm-hmm. and became a professor here. Married my mom and stayed. Right. Um, but in Amsterdam, during his sort of late childhood and teen and early adult years, uh, he dated a sex worker. He, Amsterdam, as you know, is famously mm-hmm. liberal. Uh, yeah. There's a sculpture uh, honoring their sex workers, their mm-hmm. their prostitutes in the red light district. Uh Again, the the industry is not without its problems. Mm-hmm. There are abusive landlords that control those rooms the girls yeah. work in. They have problems too. My first Those threesome are- was a woman from the red light district. Really? Mm-hmm. Was it nice? Um, so it was toward it was towards the end of our trip, so we didn't have that much money left. So. <laughs> I couldn't hire like the really good looking ones that I wanted. So we had to like kind of settle for like middle ground. And um, she wasn't that into me. She was more interested in, I think, like having sex with my boyfriend. And and that actually was okay for me. I didn't mind. Like, I actually enjoyed sitting back and, and watching them. That was kind of a turn on for me. I feel like her mission was more like, I'm going to make this guy come so that it, this can be done. You know what I mean? As opposed to like her, like wanting to give us an experience. But you know, again, you get what you pay for, right? <laughs> well, so you yeah. know, but to, it was it was fun. You know, it was a gap a, outlet you don't expect. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. So, um, but it was a it was an experience, and I sir, I definitely don't regret it. I would like to have done that, but I went with a boyfriend there, and we got too stoned. <laughs> yeah, we, we couldn't were, figure out anything. Yeah, <laughs> we that that is been a problem. useless to anybody. But. Yeah, we were pretty high most of the time too, but um, <laughs> somehow we managed to like to kind of get that transaction done. What I like about their existence there is that even though it's a tough industry, um, they're able to be a little more proud of their humanity and stand up for themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just read yesterday they're trying to form unions and like, you know, they try here, but they keep beating back companions, escorts, sugar babies, doms, cam girls. They beat us back. They take away our advertising as has happened this year. They, They take away our sites where we even just talk about how to stay alive. Yeah. I mean, I think in this country, they just want us to all die or something, which is we can't hire lobbyists. We can't unionize. The chapters have to be so decentralized. They can rarely get together on any issues. And Mm -hmm. it's frustrating to me because you have a lot of badass bitches with a lot of money and a lot of brains. If we could just, if we could just, you know, fight for our right to exist. Yeah. Um, But, it's a in this country. It's considered a throwaway person. I mean, dead hooker is a joke, right? It's yeah. a funny joke. There's a on Twitter yeah. every day, every hour. You can read about people laughing at that idea, and yeah. it's not funny. 
Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. I think we all consume the products of sex work. Mm-hmm. Who hasn't been to a strip club or watched porn or, right. you know, hired, I hired two, on my 30th birthday, I hired two sex workers. I was torqued out about being old, which is funny to me now <laughs> in my know, 40s. Right? But uh, I was so like, oh my God, I'm getting old. I'm 30. And so to numb my pain of aging, I hired two sex workers and I had a raucous <laughs> three girl all night event. And <laughs> just after midnight, it was like 12.02. And one of my, she's still a friend. Uh, I was 69ing one girl and the other was behind me with a strap on. Oh, wow. Fucking me uh-huh. at the same time. And she leaned over my shoulder and she said, happy birthday. (laughs) And so it was a good birthday. Yeah. And I will not acquiesce to any religious entity or any government that I did anything harmful to anyone that night. Right. I'm still friends with both of those women. Yeah. I was more than happy to give them a financial gift. Here, go buy a dress. Go buy an outfit. Thank you for sharing this moment with me that I'll remember on my deathbed. I'll be smiling about that moment. Yeah. How on earth is that bad? Yeah. How is that a sin or a crime? Yeah. It's not. No. And I think also two people like forget about how, what a wonderfully intimate experience sex can be. It's not always like that, but it can be, especially with somebody who's a professional. Sure. You know, it was great. And I'm not equating it to sex, like with when you're in love and that's a very different animal. Yeah. And it's maybe nicer or it's just different. Yeah. But the thing is for some people, the sex is often just a physical need. Right. They can't think straight. They can't chill out and go to work unless mm-hmm. they get laid. Mm-hmm. It's not always sort of love and flower petals and, you yeah. know, Victorian romance. Yeah. Uh, it's different things to people. Yeah. It, it can be addictive and damaging, sure. Yeah. Like well, anything overdone. So can anything. Food can be that. For sure. For sure. I know um, sex workers who are uh, feeling some control over their life. After having a little bit of money and a little bit of autonomy, not having to work minimum wage and Mm -hmm. be abused as a whatever they were doing before, Mm -hmm. has actually helped them cope with other addictive behaviors. Mm. When they felt some semblance of control, they've no longer engaged in sort of ritualistic obsessive behaviors Mm -hmm. as a grasp for control. Mm -hmm. So I've known many sex workers, their eating disorders ended, their drug habits ended when they got into sex work. Or even like perhaps that that kind of work and and having that financial independence enabled them to pay for things that could help them get out of that as well. I mean, you know, I mean, fucking rehab expensive. (laughs) I've been twice. All right. I I can tell you it's expensive. (laughs) Well, and this country doesn't, doesn't help you pay for that. We ask you to, you know, fix that on your own. Good luck. Yeah. What if you don't have family to help with that? No, exactly. Was insurance pay for like 20% or something I've heard? Yeah. I'm not sure we didn't use insurance. No. We just paid for it. But yeah. I do know that insur- there's that's a whole other fucking story. And it's not to trivialize the incredible hard work that you did right. in addition to the massive right. amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People do a lot of things to quiet this. Mm-hmm. So – I don't know. You transfer one addiction to another. Are are some of the people in companionship sort of feeding an addiction, whether it's to money or hot young girls or mm-hmm. having a secret? You know, I think sometimes clients like to have something that's just theirs. Right. That's not their families. And right. Is that bad? I don't know. I think sometimes it just quells the beast of the mind, which mm-hmm. is, you know, sometimes yeah. a real liability for us. Humans. And also, too, like, do you need to bear the responsibility of what, you know, your companionship might mean to somebody? Like, is it your yeah. responsibility if it's, like, a good thing for them or a bad thing for them? I mean, ultimately, you're just providing a service. And however that person, 
uses that or however, you know what I mean? Like that they as an adult, that's their thing. Thanks. I, yeah, I wrestle with that sometimes probably just ego that right. It is not mine. I've had, uh, twice I've had, uh, somebody's wife call Mm. and I'll be honest. It doesn't feel great. No. They're projecting a lot at you. Most Mm -hmm. of which is just about them. Mm -hmm. Um, I was uh, in Paris with a client once years and years ago and we were at a nightclub L'Etoile. It's right by the Arc de Triomphe. I don't know if it's still there. It was a great nightclub. And he was a little bit drunk. And uh, he started getting teary-eyed. And he said, I love that you're here, but I wish my wife would travel with me. Mm. She wants to be at home with the kids, and I feel like I'm just a paycheck. And he, she was quite beautiful, as upscale wives so often are. Mm-hmm. And he had, he was not. And uh, so about oh, six months later, she, uh, we, she, he had... I don't know. Maybe he wanted to confess everything because it mm-hmm. had all busted open and somehow she had my number and called and uh, she wasn't going to stop calling. So I finally answered the phone. Mm-hmm. She screamed at me for about a half hour. I just mm-hmm. let her mm-hmm. and uh, she told me I needed to find Jesus. Oh, okay. Yeah, that always works. <laughs> then she told me to get, take some of my money and get myself an education. Oh, okay. Did, did you actually tell her about your education there? You just, she wouldn't just have let that one me. lie. Yeah. And, uh, You're like, well, actually. <laughs> right. I'll get a third degree thing. <laughs> um, but then I told her, you need to be nice to your husband. Mm. You pay attention to your husband. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I exist. Yeah. Maybe, you know, be nice. Yeah. Pay attention to him. Travel with him a little. And yeah, fuck him. <laughs> I mean, I know he's not super hot and you are. Yeah. But this guy loves you. And like, yeah, that's only one case. And the reasons are as varied as people. Mm-hmm. But uh, they uh, they stayed married. He probably slept on the couch for about six months. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's probably a very nice couch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> they survived it and I think they're fine. And right. I haven't talked to him in years. But uh, yeah, it's, you know. People get through life. They navigate. Life is crazy and life is weird and people are navigating the best they can. Yeah. And I find to to, to shit on something that is a normal human behavior, mm-hmm. the attraction to pretty people or yeah. the need for physical or emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. I find it so weird to be so angry about that. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a misery loves company thing, like, like you know, internet trolls. Like, yeah. I hate my life, so you have to hate yours too. Yeah. Maybe there's some of that in it, but... Uh, yeah. I notice, like when I post on social media, the the happier my post is about my own life, the less kind people are. Mm, that's maybe. interesting. Huh? It's just maybe the internet. <laughs> the internet's full of unhappy people. <laughs> Indeed, it is. People right? with that hashtag basement life. <laughs> hashtag basement life. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Hear from our sponsors, and we will be right back. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped. It's almost the end of January. Have you met your New Year's resolution goals yet? For you men, I've got an easy one. Shave your fucking balls. It's 2020 and it's time to get serious about male grooming. And Manscaped is here to help. The Lawnmower 2.0 is the new revolutionary electric trimmer with skin safe technology to avoid any possible harm to the sensitive skin down there. And once you've got your balls looking good, Manscaped will help you get them smelling good with the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. So make 2020 the year that you finally give your family jewels the attention they deserve. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HOLLY to get free shipping and 20% off your order. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D. 
and type in my unique code HOLLY for this special offer of 20% off your order plus free shipping. Holly Randall Unfiltered is also brought to you by the Calm app. Are you feeling stressed and anxious? Welcome to the club. Today's world with all the scary stuff in the news and the overwhelming amount of information coming at us from all directions is causing a marked increase in cases of depression and stress levels for everyone. This is why more and more doctors are recommending their patients make time to find relief in meditative practices. Now, this is where the Calm app comes in. The Calm app has all kinds of programs to help you relax. From sleep stories to help you unwind at night, to easy breathing exercises and soothing music, the Calm app can help you reset an anxious mind. And if you go to calm.com slash holly, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and new content is added every week. Over 60 million people use Calm. Join them today to accomplish your goals tomorrow. Okay, we are back. So uh, can I ask you, so how do you screen your clients? So some of that is tech-based. There are ways to analyze like where an email came from or my, my website's booking form sends me data about where that person is Mm -hmm. filling it out from Mm -hmm. uh and some of that needs to check out with what they're saying Mm -hmm. um obviously background checks those are pretty easy to run online now Mm -hmm. pretty cheap or free um we in america and i think it's expanding to the rest of the world which is great use a reference system Mm-hmm. It's, you know, in tech, they what they call that KNN, nearest neighbor method. You mm-hmm. need to know somebody that knows somebody. Oh, like the Kevin Bacon effect? Yes. <laughs> so you need to know somebody that we know is real uh-huh. and is normal. and mm-hmm. um, So they need to have like some kind of reference? Yeah, somebody who's in our industry and we know is real. Okay. Didn't just show up with a with an ad or website yesterday. Yeah. Because that could be fake, right? Right, right, right. Uh, how then does somebody get in if they've never met somebody? Well, it can be difficult. There are girls who are less privileged or who are just risk takers because some mm-hmm. people are – they like to live by the seat of their pants who yeah. will see people who have no references. Right. Uh, I never did. I was – I would have rather worked at Starbucks before I would take that risk. Right. So um, to each their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some academic studies on how much girls like freedom and autonomy versus safety. Mm. So, you know, brothel workers value safety mm-hmm. uh, from all kinds of things. Yeah. The government, the – harmful people they like to have a bodyguard in the building uh mm-hmm. and sort of uh they're street-based workers who they know they're not stupid they know exactly how dangerous what they're doing right. on long beach boulevard is right but they really value freedom right they don't want to be corralled right it's a lifestyle choice yeah one i would argue is not worth the risk but they are not me right so references um some tech stuff uh background checks um some of the financial transaction part of it also has to check out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, anonymous payment sources. Some people will accept them. I would argue it's not wise because you don't know where stuff's coming from. Right. Uh, so but that checks out, that adds another data point to the pile of data points. You're basically building a picture. Is this person who they say they are? Mm-hmm. Are they common sane? There can be some low-tech methods like talking by phone. Mm-hmm. I know it's old. I'm old. But um, <laughs> sometimes... Crazy people can better than in some of these young girls. They're doing um, Skype or FaceTime. Yeah, uh, I don't get in hair and makeup unless I need to. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but you know, if you're 19, you, yeah. you look great waking up. So yeah, yeah. they do. They um they want that guy to find a private place, could be in his car, and mm-hmm. turn on his FaceTime. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say you get a very good sort of analog, low tech sense of a guy, right? Uh, and I think it, it's working. Yeah, and guys love it. It's very authentic, mm-hmm. and it establishes rapport and it yeah. eases first time jitters. So yeah, win, and the win. guy gets to see what the girl actually looks like. That's just probably helpful for them as well. Oh, there's so many catfishes on our side too. Oh, I and bet. that makes it harder for everybody. Yeah. We have private apps and things where we talk, and there are girls to shoot super shady, mm-hmm. and that makes it worse for everybody. So yeah. it happens on both sides, unfortunately, like yeah. any industry. Yeah, it's it's so common in um, the adult industry. You know, these girls getting messages from people saying, oh, I spoke to you on your backup account, and I sent you $5,000 because you were stuck in Ghana. And they're like, oh. no, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, and, right. then, and then the guy will get angry at them because they fell for somebody else's catfish scam. And it's like... I don't understand what makes you think that you have someone like, I don't know, like Danny Daniels, who's got like, I think close to 3 million followers on Instagram, that she's going to send you a private DM and be on a separate account that's not verified when her main account is verified and say, hey, I'm going to pick you out specifically because I know you're a big fan and I'm going to give you my personal attention and I'm going to admit to you that I'm actually not married to this man who's all over my social media, her husband Vic, and um, I am stuck in Ghana. I don't know why it's always Ghana. It's it always, always Ghana. Yes. I'm stuck in Ghana and I can't get back and will you please rescue me? I need $5,000. And these guys fall for it and it blows my fucking mind but i think this speaks to kind of what you were speaking talking about earlier is just how lonely people are and how much people crave some kind of connection indeed you know even when it's like completely farcical and you feel like you should know better but you know hope springs eternal yeah testosterone's a hell of a drug it builds confidence (laughs) yeah and i think uh Female incredible beauty lowers male IQ like 40 points. <laughs> <laughs> and also, too, like maybe if you're someone who hasn't really had a lot of contact with women, yeah, you know, maybe you're painfully shy, maybe you're still a virgin, maybe your mother, you know, told you women, all women are evil, like maybe you have weird sexual hangups and you've never really had like any intimacy with a woman, yeah, and you've never, you haven't had a lot of correspondence with them you don't really know what's normal well we talked about uh policing a behavior i think men police each other's behavior to sort of get women and i asked a client once why are you so attracted to the sort of thin caucasian blonde the classic thing that Mm -hmm. sells the most magazines and sells the most porn and he said it's because every boy in school that was the cheerleader that you couldn't get Mm. and everybody wanted her and she was always with the number one alpha guy quarterback whoever she chose she could choose anybody right and she didn't choose you right and you spent the rest of her life going i'm gonna get one like that yeah so it's this obsessive mission to conquer the beautiful woman yeah and then get society's rewards from it and right it makes people do stupid stuff yeah like send five grand to Mr. Ngana. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your typical bookings like? Do people, do you generally see somebody for an evening? Do you see them? Do you go away for like a weekend? Like what is your normal kind of interaction like? All of that. So, so now at this age, I, you know, you spend years with the same one or two people. I was going to ask That's you, how you it probably have eventually. a lot of re- repeat clients, right? I've you spent see- the last three years with almost one person. Wow. Okay. That's how it goes yeah. later. But the first time, so talk about screening, that actually continues into the appointment. So mm. I always met in public. Mm-hmm. 
if that was a deal breaker for a guy, privacy wise, then you can't meet me. Right. There's a million others you can meet, but not not me. Right. Uh, doesn't have to be the entire time, but um, I'm going to meet in public because then at least if you murder me, you're on a camera somewhere. <laughs> Probably doesn't help me, but at least you'll get caught. Maybe yeah. that might have been delusional, but I thought at least that's one more. It's uh, outrunning a bear, mm-hmm. You're trying to make yourself. And this is applicable to regular dating too, by the way, not yeah. just paid companionship. I want to be the hardest one to kill, so that I hate that, but I want you to pick somebody else. I mean, you should pick nobody, but right. but I want it not to be me for sure. Right. So the appointment in the beginning, when you're finding your regulars and meeting people, uh, the most common thing was an e and an evening for two or three hours in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of like showing up, cocktail in the bar, maybe dinner, and then being alone at valet at 1 a.m. And God love those valet guys at montage and things. <laughs> they never said anything. I mean, they must have 10 a night. And they were yeah. always very sweet because no, you know, 26-year-old is at valet at 1 o'clock in the morning by herself. Yeah. <laughs> they know. <laughs> but, you know, they're paid for discretion and they're mm-hmm. keeping some very wealthy guy very happy. Yeah. Uh, and nobody's really being hurt so right. they don't say anything and that's going on there every night and right. everybody knows it and in every city in the world by the way right so that was pretty common was just a few hours mm-hmm. uh i never wanted to meet people for just one hour because uh as you've noticed i'm chatty and i don't i didn't think i could get comfortable that quickly mm-hmm. so uh i started out with a multi-hour minimum mm-hmm. i also knew because when I first got an escorting, I was trying to work for an agency and nobody would hire me. Mm. Uh, they hired, you know, Playboy Centerfolds and the kind of girls you should. Right. I was cute, but I wasn't that cute. Right. But an agency owner told me, you're smart, you're young, you don't need an agency, you can do this yourself. Mm-hmm. But I knew that in LA, I was like a six. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wasn't going to get them on looks. Right. Because I live in this town, but yeah. I could get them on personality. Right. So if, I, if they could spend a few hours with me, they're going to like me. Right. And by golly, they did. Yeah. Because I knew I was smart and I was friendly and mm-hmm. I like people, I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by everybody. Mm-hmm. So if I could get a longer time, then I could bond with them and I could, you know, win-win. I could keep the customer happier and build myself some kind of a relationship. Because again, I was not going to get them on beauty, not mm-hmm. in not in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it worked. So the evenings turned into trips. Uh, one of my first clients was like, let's go helicopter skiing. You're a skier. And so we'd go to Canada for a week on end and being able to ski helps. Yeah. PSA girls, if you want to make a lot of money as a companion, get good at golf. <laughs> if you could be good at golf and be a hot woman who's oh not too God. old. Oh, you can millions. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's all these guys would love somebody who was stellar at golf. Yeah. Because women usually are not. Right. Certainly not when they're well, young. Well, it's a man's sport. Yeah. And the generally. only women that are good at it are 80. <laughs> like their wife's good at it. Yeah. That's not who they want. So, yeah. Sadly or yeah. whatever. So, um, it's yeah, funny. They, you just made me think of this porn star, Gabby Carter, who's like, she just turned 19 and she was like the hot new thing in, in the industry. And she was actually like a golf champion hey. in school. What can I have her number? She sounds rad. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, <laughs> I never thought about it. But like, Gabby's got a seriously marketable asset right there. <laughs> well, you think about you, you're hanging out with men. So, you know, I've been courtside to every game of everything. Right. Fields. I'm going to the Super Bowl soon. Do you like sports? Sure. I've learned to like it more than I would have right. as a girl. And my family were a bunch of academia nerds. We weren't huge sports fans. Mm-hmm. We didn't not like it. But if you're hanging out with, you know, your average successful American, unfortunately, most of these guys are white because that's mm-hmm. who has the power and the money. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to want to learn how to do guy things. Mm. So, yeah, golf. You know, whatever 
Skiing. Go, going to sport. Yeah, skiing helped a yeah. lot because that's kind of a rich person sport. And yeah. I don't know. Polo. I did get taken to Buenos uh, Argentina several times to play oh, polo. Cool. Had no idea what I was doing, but it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's hockey on horses, and it's super fun. Yeah, it but, looks really – I mean, I grew up as an equestrian. So, oh, did you? Yeah, I rode horses my whole life. I was competitive, but I've never played polo. companion. <laughs> you didn't need to. <laughs> it's funny. My mom would always – my parents also made me take tennis lessons, and I also went to oh, Italian. Yeah. Oh, They, like, really wanted to, like, raise me as a lady. My mom would always say to me, she's like, darling, you never know when you're going to meet and dine with the president. And she's I was right. like, I feel like that's never going to happen, but look <laughs> but, at where we are now. In a world that has privileged people, like it or not, yeah. I don't like it any more than the next person, but don't you like it that at least you can hold your own and not be intimidated in sort of those circles? Yeah. I mean, I can't play tennis, but I have pretty good da- table manners, yeah. so I know what knife and fork to use. It's useful. I mean, <laughs> it sucks, right, that the whoever has the power decides what is our valuable traits to have, right, but, but right. they do. Yeah. Same here. I was, you know, sorority girl in college and all that and being able to have sort of the same kind of experiences as these men mm-hmm. earned earned me more money. Mm-hmm. And that is unfortunate that the people in my business who earn the most are often the women who least need it. Because mm. you're the classy ones, right? The, right. Who, from a very privileged background. Right. And and that sucks, but yeah. whoever said the world was fair. Right? That is true. Um, so you, uh, I just totally lost my train of thought. I, was like, I just had a great question for you and it fucking went out the window. Oh, no, I was, okay, I was going to ask you about um, what it's like, like, if these people, because basically my whole thing is, my the idea that's running in my head is that, like, you are clearly somebody who really likes people, and, like, you're a very personable person, and that's a quality that I feel like a lot of people don't have, because people get on my nerves. Um, so I feel like I wouldn't have the patience. So I feel like probably one of, your, like, your great qualities beyond being you know, intelligent and beautiful and all of these things is that you probably have an enormous amount of patience. <laughs> Not online. <laughs> um, uh, I've monetized my loneliness. I don't have a husband. I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have kids. Okay. So I, I need people. Okay. And I, yeah. So probably when I show up to, you know, go skiing with a client, I'm mm-hmm. super lonely and I'm excited to be around anybody, especially somebody who's going to pay me 25 grand to take me skiing. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? And some old dude is just going to go to sleep at nine o'clock at night and I'm going to watch Netflix. I mean, why, what, what is not to, and he's not going to marry me? Oh, jackpot for me. I didn't want to anyway. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm emotionally available. Right. And that is probably because I don't have too much other stuff right. going on. That sounds really cool, doesn't it? That I'm like a pathetic, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't put it that way, but I think that it seems to me like you find life experiences through other people. I'm never happier than when I'm learning. Yeah. And everybody can teach you something. Yeah. Everybody's story can bring you to your knees if you let it. Have you, what has been like one of your coolest experiences that you've had with a client? Like, have you ever been taken to a really incredible event or sure had some country or just, I've been all over the world. Um, Australia twice last year, Hong Kong, right before the riots. Um, I've been BA to play polo and go to the open. I've, been to all the Super Bowls and NBA finals and 
um, lots of private jets. I like private jets. I'm going to really miss private jets when this is over because, mm. man, they're so much nicer than travel. I know I've never been on a private jet. but you I haven't? Like, no. I feel like how could you? It's so much I did, better. I did first. No, I did business class once and it was so hard for me to go back to yeah. economy. And, it ruins you, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And every time I'm in, I'm in economy, I'm like, I know what they're getting in business <laughs> class and it's so much better than this and this sucks. <laughs> well, and look, private jet, you can wake up at 7 a.m. and be skiing by 930 in Colorado. Yeah. Because you just crawl out of bed, go to the plane. Like I learned um, poor people and rich people don't have luggage. Only like <laughs> us in the middle, we have luggage because poor people don't travel and rich people just have their own plane. So they just bring their like a client once. He brought like his dry cleaning. I was like, where's your luggage? He's like, it's my plane. I don't need luggage. <laughs> they, they hang it in the bathroom in the back by the wow. bedroom because yeah. it's my plane. He just brought like one outfit. Yeah. And I mean, he had another house with everything in it. So of he course. actually didn't even need any stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, last year for my birthday, a client took me to San Francisco just for dinner. Mm-hmm. Very, very pretty woman. He had a bespoke dinner with its own menu made at Quince. And we took the jet up, had dinner, and took the jet back. Nice. And, you know, meanwhile, boxes of Cartier and all this crap. And, I mean, it's it's obscene, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'll miss all that when very soon here it's ending. Um, Do you think you're going to quit eventually? I mean, I don't want to, but time waits for no man. So <laughs> I can't – I mean, I might be out here at 70 being like, I still got it. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> It's going to get real weird at that point because God knows who's going to be calling. I mean, I would argue that I feel like especially, you know, it sounds to me like you have a lot of repeat clients and it sounds to me like you have certain clients that you spend a significant amount of time with. So I feel like they've, you know, become, you guys have like forged some kind of relationship that's beyond just how you look. And I mean, you look great and I feel like you're somebody who will probably maintain your looks and also too, like. I I mean, especially one thing that I've seen in porn that's really shifted a lot is like the whole MILF revolution. Yeah. Like there's a lot of men who really appreciate like a beautiful, mature, intelligent woman. And, you know, with your experience, don't you provide things that like a younger woman companion wouldn't be able to provide? I've heard that we can get along culturally more because I know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. and they don't feel so... Um, old and irrelevant like they do with a young girl talking about like technology they don't understand or yeah so that is easier for them and then yeah there's a certain knowledge and maturity that comes with age and having known men for more decades mm-hmm. i think some men just like everything they like a young girl and mm-hmm. they, and they like an old girl and they like anybody who likes them i mean most men's fetish is a reasonably beautiful woman who likes them but i also survived I like it you know that my fetish yeah. is a reasonably good-looking woman who likes me. This is I'm it. just into people who are into me. My fetish is somebody which, who thinks I'm desirable. Yeah, which totally yeah. makes sense. And that is why some of the most popular porn is sort of this, or I want to say romantic, might be the wrong word, but mm. porn where people Intimate, appear maybe? to be more into each other. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's still acting, maybe it's not. No, I, I think also, too, and we've discussed this quite a few times where, you know, you have some porn stars that are incredibly popular and they aren't necessarily the most beautiful girl or or whatnot, but they really love their scenes and they really enjoy the sex and it really comes across on camera and the fans see it and they really respond to that. Authenticity is everything now. Yeah. There's so much content everywhere. And truth rings in your ear or shines on a face like nothing else. You can feel more real. Mm-hmm. We're probably getting better at mimicking that. Mm. But I'm also, I've survived to earn this, the ability to have sort of regulars. You know, new girls girls, I shouldn't say that, new women coming up in my industry, the first couple of years are the hardest. Mm-hmm. If you don't market correctly, 
if you don't use good ethical sites run by ethical people, you will have a much harder time. Mm. You won't get the best clients. You'll physically and emotionally, you can burn out. You can, I mean, so like any job, it's a business and learning how to screen, like we talked about, learning how to market. There are ethical sites, like how you found me, Slixa, Mm -hmm. which is run by really good people who are serious advocates for our industry, Mm. trying really hard to make it better and safer and um, to stand up for the women in our industry and men. Uh, If you choose to market, uh, if you choose to allocate your marketing dollars to a site like that, you're going to have a solidly different experience than if you market on some of the sites that were uh, either taken out or still exist Mm -hmm. that are uh, run by bad people. They're populated by gentlemen trying to figure out how to treat treat workers the worst Mm -hmm. uh your experiences will be different so uh we have places where we try to teach the younger girls so that they have it a little bit easier than i did right one hopes so is slixa a website where it's is it like a resource Oh, so it's slixa.com, sort of a funny name, S-L-I-X-A.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have advertising, mm-hmm. which you can purchase. They try very hard to check out to make sure that you are not some sort of a harmful, bad actor. Mm-hmm. That you're not lying, you're not hurting people, mm-hmm. not ripping guys off. You're not trying to get guys to send money to Ghana because <laughs> you're stuck in Ghana. You're not from Ghana, basically. <laughs> Ideally, you're not the Ghanaian who's who's stuck and just needs five grand Western Union. Yeah, No shame against Ghana, by the way. Just, I don't yeah, know sorry. why, for some reason, They're gonna people are you. always from Ghana. Oh, here come the comments. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, Slick says they're trying really hard. Mm-hmm. In a business that you know keeps getting slapped down, yeah, uh, and I applaud them for that. On mm-hmm. their blog part of their website, even if you're not in my industry, it's an interesting blog to read because there's tons of advocacy and news, and um, they obviously want to report bad actors of all kind. There's a very easy button to report anything mm-hmm. that's you know trafficking or children or non-coerced behavior, mm-hmm. labor issues. They um. They take it really seriously, and so I'm proud of them for trying. And then the design's cool. It's got, like, nice big glossy pictures. It reminds me of your kind of, you know, colorful. It's just nice to look at. Yeah. So um, I think they're uh, they're a stand-up resource in a time. This year we had a lot of our stuff taken away from us. Yeah, with Foster Sesta. Yeah. So. Um, so what would be the piece of advice that you would give to a girl if she wanted to get into your line of work? Whew. Be careful. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you are hell-bent on this, uh, please come talk to us. Uh, you got to do some research. I know you have the confidence of youth and that's a good thing. I had it too, but you don't know everything. Um, and there's more to life than just money and purses and shoes. Not all money is good money. Don't say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, caution, even while you want to have an adventure, and I completely understand wanting to have an adventure. I did. Mm-hmm. And I uh, had a hell of one. Yeah. No regrets, however this story ends. Yeah. But um, there, you know, there are dangers. There are dangers to dating. So just use caution. Um, mark it correctly and carefully. Uh, don't go places without somebody knowing where you are. If your spidey senses tell you something's bad, just obey them. Get out. It's better to make that error than to make the other error of right. staying somewhere that you should not have been. Right. Have you ever found yourself in a dangerous situation? Yes. And how did you deal with that? I uh, left. Hmm. Um, and maybe I was wrong. I don't think I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the so 
the, and this applies again to regular dating. The switch can flip on some people where they yeah. seem really above board and gentlemanly. And then you can see it sometimes in their face. It's a sort of aggression switch. Mm-hmm. And if you're alone at that time, it can be a very dangerous time. Yeah. Uh, and so women throughout history have been very good at sort of using our sweetness and our femininity to navigate that, right? Because you're yeah. not going to win by physical strength. Right. So, you know, things like staying in public and leaving if it um, seems bad mm-hmm. and uh, making sure there are records of where you've been. And, you know, some of the the screening and stuff, when, when a gentleman knows that you have his information and that that could harm him if it got out then he's more likely to behave well. Right. So in a twisted sense, we are also exploiting stigma and shame to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. In, it sucks. You got to use what you got. This is it. I was born into the system, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've, I have not um, been physically harmed, but I think in one instance that I'm thinking of, I would have been had I stayed. Mm. This, uh, I discussed it with him afterwards, and his claim was that some people like that. Mm. And I, I said, but you don't know that I... Yeah, without discussing that prior, Mm. you can't really spring. Yeah. Well, romantic dating has a real consent problem. You get that from rom-coms, right? That you're supposed to be psychic and know what somebody like. Yeah. Porn is really ahead of the game on consent. Mm -hmm. It's maybe not shown in the actual movie, but I know it's all hashed out beforehand. Yeah. It also depends on what you're talking about. I know that like a lot of the really hardcore BDSM sites like Kink, they will show the consent um before and afterwards i'll have an interview with the performer before and then after and they air that Mm -hmm. why i think because a lot of what they do is so extreme they want to make sure that people understand that these people are not actually being abused in a sense where they are vulnerable and they are being forced to do things against their will cool and that it's all part of like a fetish and a fantasy i think it's a a form of self-protection as well as much as it is like educating an audience because you know i don't know if you've ever seen the kink scene but some of their stuff's like really hardcore and kind of crazy i've done a lot of that um both sides so you know consent is everything yes because sometimes people like to play the role of somebody who almost is pretending like they don't want what's happening to them. Oh, you know, that's sure. part of the fantasy. So you need to really make sure that that you iron that out yeah. and that you make that clear. I bet for viewers it relieves some of the guilt about, am I a sick person for getting well, off to this? Yeah. Like, yeah, I and think there's I know a, it's- a lot of reassurance and knowing that, like, that girl really enjoyed what happened. And I don't need hmm. to feel guilty about deriving pleasure from what maybe may appear to the uneducated eye to be a lack of pleasure on her part, but it's actually not. Well, we like a horror movie, but no, I don't think most of us want to watch actual people get actually killed. I had a client who took me to, he kept taking me to SummerSlam, the wrestling thing. (laughs) And I was like, why don't you like real MMA or boxing? This stuff's fake. And he's like, I like it because it's fake. I like knowing that they're not actually beating the living tar out of each other. Somebody actually told me that they, they, they likened porn to that, that kind of WWE. like WWE wrestling because a lot of it is kind of faked. Like there's some things that people do that will look more intense than it is like hair pulling, you mm. know, but they'll keep their fists close to the person's head. So they're not actually pulling the hair, but it has that, that look Ooh, of doing that. And then the girl will pull her head back, but against a fist. So their hair, her hair's, her head's not being pulled back, but she's making it appear that it is. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So just a little bit like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, porn stars are sexual Olympians, right? Yeah. The things they do 
like, most of us can't and wouldn't want. But no, they're sexual athletes. Well, that's they why really are, and it's great, and that's why it's it's for adults. You need to understand that it's yes. a film and it's a fantasy, and there's and that's a great thing. Transformers isn't real either, <laughs> and the abolitionists are like, well, but it's not real. Fucking yeah, again, yeah. neither is Star Wars. Yeah. And you don't get mad about that. Yeah. We like to be entertained. Right. And uh, I don't think it's a problem at all. America has a hysteria about porn. Some of America has a hysteria about yeah. porn. Well, and, usually those people tend to be the least educated when it comes to sex as well. Really? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. You think they don't want to be or I don't know. Uh, well, I think there's probably a lot of, you know, shame around even trying to learn. You know, sex is that little thing that like you have, you whisper in corners. You don't actually face it head on and you don't talk about it and you don't, you know, do they, like it's, it's such are a, they any it's um, buried for so happier many people. That, that it's being produced by a woman who's yeah, is that th- any better? I think so. I think some people feel like they can enjoy porn perhaps more guilt free if it's produced by a woman. I, I don't know. Um, I do know that I know a lot of performers, especially if they're new might prefer to work with a woman because they feel like sure. safer yeah. Usually a lot of times when you hear these cases of women talking about feeling that their boundaries were violated um, on set, it's almost always in a situation where there's no other women on set and they're alone on set with men oh, and right they don't before. feel like they have a voice. I know in um, old times in Australia, only women could own brothels. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the law for a while. I don't think it still is. I'd have to check, but yeah. it was. I know that. But, you know, also, too, I want you know people to understand not all women are sympathetic, wonderful, warm, fuzzy, I'll take care of you people. Like, just like men, you know, we're all different kinds of people, so we're not all safe. We can do anything men can do, including being terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, no, some of the worst abusers in my industry are women. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a victim turned into a perpetrator or that kind of thing or... They just needed better therapy, or, but um, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's gender directed nece- yeah. necessarily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, have you ever had a situation where you've had a client like fall in love with you and and wanted you and wanted a committed relationship and wanted you out of the industry? Did anyone ever try to Roxanne you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they think they're in love, but what they're in love with is Amy Taylor, which is. It's the best parts of the whole me. Mm. She's, I, it's like putting spanks on your real personality. <laughs> I mean, would they be in love if they saw that I really just want to watch Netflix? And, you know. Are you able to keep that facade up the whole time? Do you think it's a facade? It's very hard on long appointments mm. because by the time you're taking those kind of trips with people, they're, they're pretty okay with the real, but it's not completely real. Mm. It's, But neither is it for them. You know, when guys date and they pretend to be interested in whatever – BS I'm talking about, they're yeah. they're putting on their best side too. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I wouldn't pee in front of my boyfriend until about, you know, six months into the relationship. So that makes sense. Really? Yeah. You know, some people are into that. <laughs> he like still won't pee in front of me. Really? No. <sighs> Unless he's drunk, then he will. And I'm like, babe, we've been together for like three and a half years. You can pee in front of me. It's fine. You're not going to sneak in on him? <laughs> Bust him? <laughs> yeah. Well, people have their boundaries and yeah. I suppose, you know, just wait when you guys are 30 years in. Oh, I know. Just going number two with the door open. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah. So they have thought they were in love. Those tend to be single men who think if they're nice enough, generous enough, they could buy something more permanent. Mm -hmm. And I 
I suspect, I mean, we joke in my business, the best way to be like, okay, I'm moving in tomorrow mm-hmm. and I'm not going to work. So you're going to support me and I'm super high maintenance, by the way. Yeah. And my mom's going to move in with us <laughs> and I got seven dogs <laughs> and it's cool, right? Because uh, then they'd be like, wait, wait, time out. So wait, this is not, this is not what I was signing up for. Yeah. I mean, they, they just want more of that wonderful experience. And mm-hmm. you know, that's like when you eat ice cream, you're never happy when the pint's over. Yeah. Sometimes you need to just enjoy that pint and yeah. not have it all the time because you'll get sick. And yeah. I don't think that – so, yeah, that has been suggested. Uh, I find it insulting when they're like, you can see clients, but just see me for free because we love each other. Oh, no. And f- first of all, that's mean. Second of all – so I get to take risk elsewhere. And, yeah. And secondly, you just punish me for doing a good job. Yeah. I made you really happy. Yeah. You felt this great thing, and now you want to not pay for it? Like. I have bills. How am I supposed to survive? Oh, with other guys, just so you don't have to. Yeah. That is it. So you don't really care about me. Yeah. If you love me so much. Right. You don't want to see me safe. You don't want to see my apartment. I don't get to pay rent or buy food. Yeah. That doesn't sound like love to me. Interesting. I think they just want to save money. (laughs) And don't we all? That's that's capitalism. Hey, I mean, how did they get rich in the first place, right? They're great businessmen. Absolutely. And I've been offered exclusive deals a couple times. I haven't taken one, but many girls do. Mm -hmm. If the numbers and the system is right, it's it's not a very enforceable contract, so it's hard to – Yeah. But um, You said that you're pretty much just been seeing almost one guy, right, for the last three years? Almost exclusively, the occasional old regular. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and so it's a nice relationship. They get bored and move on or life changes and they have every right to anytime they want, as do I. Do you ever feel like hurt when that happens? Sure. There's one in particular. Oh, I really liked him. He's dashing and he lives in Europe now, but he did live in New York. And oh, I really liked him. And he was like, you could come live here and be my main girlfriend. And and I said no. I was too scared to like move to this incredible apartment in New York. And Mm -hmm. I was just so far out over my skis. Like this guy was totally, you know, this tycoon. And then I knew it would have been awesome. And then when he got sick of me in a couple of years and I had to come trotting back to my house, it would have sucked so bad. Yeah, and then like start all over again, right? Because you would have blown off all of these other regular clients. And then you have to like... Some of those guys will give you like a severance because they know you need to survive. Right. Some of them don't. And then you're stuck with a house full of Chanel that you're selling on eBay to try to <laughs> survive till you find somebody else. That's very common. Yeah. Um, I chose not to. And of course, then he didn't want to see me anymore because I said no. And, yeah. and I miss him. He was, I liked him a lot. Yeah. I, I think about him often. Aww. Yeah. You know, you make choices. Yeah. Do you ever struggle telling people what you do for a living? Sure. Like, do you ever... and. And if somebody asks you and you don't want to be honest, do you just say that you're a model? Yes. Um, and in aviation, that's difficult because aviation's a really conservative world mm. still. So in that world, I do not talk about this. I don't even talk about the modeling because they would judge right. that almost as badly. So for those who don't know, because I know we just talked about this before we started recording. I'm not sure oh, that sorry. we brought it up when we actually were recording, but you have a pilot's license. Yeah, I was a flight instructor for years and flew cargo. I flew with an owner-operator, so I've flown all kinds of different mm-hmm. ways. But you're not doing any more flying Yeah, now. I fly. Oh, you still do? Uh-huh. Oh, that's yeah. great. So um, that world is pretty military, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a lovely world of integrity and uh, very stand-up people, mm-hmm. punctual, tidy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 
I don't think the most of them would be okay with me being a companion. So right. that's not something I've ever shared with the people in that part of my life. Right. Maybe so, they know if they have Google. It might not be that hard to yeah. find out. Yeah. Have um, you ever had somebody like who you knew through an outside circle like approach you and say, "Hey, I know what you do," or "I know no, my name is I've Taylor." Had guys say like, "Did I see you and?" TV or a magazine or something. Mm. I always want to be like, yeah, you surf a lot of escort sites. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that uh, could come from anywhere. My my family does know, as I said in the beginning, talking about my holidays, and that's because I was outed mm-hmm. um, by somebody who hated me. Mm-hmm. We navigated that. It was real tough for a few years, yeah. but um, it's okay now. So I just, um, I, I look and seem like a LA gold digger. So and the guys that I've dated have always been a bit older and wealthy, especially when I was younger. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not that far of a stretch for mm-hmm. me to just say I tend to date, to date two or three successful guys. And they yeah. tend to buy me a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm a professional dater. Yeah. I mean, it's not that surprising. And, you know, we live in Los Angeles where it's not that rare. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. if I lived in Nashville, it might be harder. Yeah. But I don't think people are that uh, concerned yeah. With it. Or maybe they're just being nice and maybe they think I'm terrible. <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> How has your profession made you feel about men in general? Do you feel like it's changed your mind at all as to prior? Yeah. Uh, that's a tough one. I've always been attracted to sort of slightly older, less older now that I'm older, but uh, successful men. And they have a lot of opportunity with women. I've I've seen so much infidelity that uh obviously now i just basically believe that monogamy is rubbish and we're not meant to Mm. uh i might have a skewed perspective because i'm only seeing the world that i see right does that it doesn't make me hate men it just makes me think that the sort of the world that is is a lot different from the world we aspire to or at least mainstream aspires to then maybe people will be happier if they restructured their idea of what like a, lo- a relationship was that maybe yes. monogamy is not the end all and be all. And perhaps one should consider being monogamish. I think more people should have met people like your parents yeah, to see that they could have a really healthy family and not be monogamous. Yeah. Because most of my women friends from college and elsewhere would not stay with a man if they caught him cheating. Right. I don't care who it's with. Yeah. And would not have married him if he had told them, I'm going to marry you and I'm going to love you, but I'm probably going to have something here and there once in a while. (laughs) Or who knows. Right. They want the story of monogamy, at Mm -hmm. least the promise of it, even if that is not kept. Right. And so if that's the fantasy that has to be sold to to get the wedding and the kids and we need people, Mm -hmm. then we're, you know, we're selling a fantasy to to women and men are having to lie and it's sort of a weird world we're building. Yeah. I don't know if it's a necessary lie. Clearly, it's unnecessary because look at your family. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure why that's the minority when behavior-wise that might actually be more normal. Yeah. Maybe. And if you think about how many marriages dissolve because of cheating, and it just it's just something that comes up constantly over and over again. So can we fix cheating or can we fix what our idea of maybe a relationship is? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe we consider looking at things from a different angle. I don't know. It was interesting too. I had Dr. David Leon, who um, is a uh, sex therapist. And before he got into his specialty, he talked about how he, I think, was counseling 
swingers or something about like how he was studying swingers. And his initial knee-jerk reaction was these are people with, you know, fucked up ideas of what relationships are and this is not right. And these people clearly have problems because, you know, otherwise why would they be swingers? And he said that the more that he spoke to these people and the more that he studied this, that he found that they, these people have the most amount of like love and communication versus most like strictly monogamous couples. And that, there was a huge difference and they had far healthier relationships most of the time. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. Are we ready for that though? I I would love to see a world where we could be more honest. Yeah. I'm not sure why the truth scares people so much. Yeah. Uh, But it does. Some people like the lie or like the sweeping under the rug thing. But also to think about like the idea that we've been sold you know, from, you know, us as women from Disney movies, you know, that you're going to have a man rescue you and he's going to take care of you and you're going to have this ultimate love that's going to be everything for the rest of time. And, you know, just in general, like we're always selling the story of like this true love and that it's eternal and that your eye never wanders. Mm. And if you have sex with somebody else, like you can't separate sex and love. And if you have sex with somebody else, that means you don't love the person that you're with. Right. So I think there's also this. I think we women shame each other for sort of you couldn't keep a man. Right. You lost him to another. As right. if there's a sort of we as women are are, are scrambling around on the floor for the crumbs dripping from the man table. Yeah. And and in some senses we are. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, look, in my business, you'll have high-end escorts shaming sort of other escorts and yeah. porn stars shaming escorts and strippers shaming everybody. And yeah. Because, look, nobody likes to be at the bottom, right? right. So, yeah, if, as a woman, a lot of women are like, well, if I keep him, I control him. My sister said about her husband, she said, I made him the man he is. It's not sex. It's I have the social calendar. I give him his children. I clean the home. Mm-hmm. I, he is who he is because of me. And so I demand some control. I own him. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he's the source of a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. So there's that threat, too. If he disappears, what happens to my babies? Right. Which is a legitimate uh, fear concern. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think monogamy might be about control and it might be about ego. And abandonment sucks. I've been dumped. Oh, I was dumped once about. 15 years ago, I couldn't eat. I yeah. couldn't sleep. Yeah. I still hate the music that was popular on the radio then. <laughs> like, if it comes on, I'm like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. Because you, it was pain. Yeah. To be left. Yeah. When you didn't want that. Yeah. So it's And also, too, I think when you base your own sense of self worth on what somebody else feels about you, yeah. that's really hard. It's hard not to, though, right? Yeah. You get all these messages, right? Yeah, it is. But you know, it's interesting. I've, you know, I've, I've gone through a lot of self exploration. I mean, my struggle with alcohol forced me to, and I'm actually finally now with a man who I, I love. Like, I've actually never loved anybody the way that I've loved him. Like, almost every guy that I've been with, like, I've had after some time, I got kind of bored, and I've had to like force myself to love him like with my ex-husband I had, every day I like shamed myself for not loving him because he was so good to me and like what's wrong with you and you don't love people and you're emotionally distant and horrible and and with this guy is the first time I've ever felt like this is just so natural like mm-hmm. it just feels real to me and I've never had that before so I really do feel like this is the right guy for me but also too on the flip side I know that if he left me I'd be devastated but I would get over it and That's I would they- move on it's healthy. Like it wouldn't destroy me. And 
I feel like maybe I needed to be in that place where I felt secure enough in myself and that allowed me to open myself up to love and trust somebody in the way that I do. And that's when he showed up, right? It's yeah. funny when you're the right person, the right person shows exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I just, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if maybe a lot of the issue lies within ourselves. Oh, sure. And Life how we feel be. about ourselves and yeah. our, our sense of self-worth. And are we complete without a companion? Yeah, maybe just I just need more wine and dogs and pizza, and then no, I'm <laughs> those are my companions. <laughs> my those companion, are great companions. I rub a companion every night, but he's a steak. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I've been in love. I'm sure I will be again. And like I said, I have lots of retired. There are not two dichotomies of women. There are not the whores and the housewives. Mm-hmm. I have dozens of retired companion girlfriends who mm-hmm. are business owners, wives, mothers, lawyers. Yeah, you know. It's just not true. People change. Yeah. I don't know where the future brings someone like me, but I hope to find somebody that I can tell the truth about this crazy thing I've done and that will still love me. Mm -hmm. And I see evidence that those people do exist. Yeah. But one has to sort of get to peace with oneself. Yeah. I'll probably be a good client of some therapist for years to come. (laughs) Good therapy is everything. (laughs) Is it? Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've had a lot of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, hard to get honest with your own, but everybody's got it, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, and this is something that I've I've had a discussion with many sex workers that I've had on my podcast, is that um, it's really important to find somebody who doesn't view sex work as an inherent um, symptom of some deep personal trauma that you need to get over. You know what I mean? Like, you need to find a, ther- a therapist who doesn't see sex work as a problem that you need to end. Like, yeah. they can accept that that's part uh, that it's your your career choice, and that's part of your life, and that you can actually be a healthy whole person with that in your life. There's just other things, that and not every problem you have is is a result of exactly. That. So yeah, so finding the therapist who accepts it in that way is 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 important, and it can sure. be difficult. Women like me and men like me, escorts, mm-hmm. are a form of self care for some people. Yeah, and judge it judged as it is for some people, it's an imperfect solution to a complicated problem. Mm-hmm needing something that they're not getting. Mm -hmm. And for some people, this allows them to stay married, function at work, whatever. Yeah. And okay, maybe it's not the best one, but I don't know if anybody has any better ideas. Yeah. And uh, so same thing. Like people are looking for how to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, you know, get sober, have a girlfriend. I don't know. I mean, we're all going to be dead in a few decades. Like, can't you just let people be happy? Like, you don't have to force them to drink wine. You don't have to force them to be monogamous. Yeah. Like, can we just all, like, let each other be? Can we actually make our own decisions and not be shamed for it? That would be nice. I don't know. We got that weird dark side, right? Yeah. I'll be behind a girl in Starbucks and I'll be like, look at her yoga pants. Oh, yeah. Look at her. Yeah. Because we got that little weird thing. We all do that. But I think, you know, if you you recognize it and you kind of see where it comes from, it's an important thing, you know? I would like to see the world view people's life trajectory as one that includes change mm-hmm. and one that, you know, uh, if if you did porn for a while and had a great time that you could still do something else later and you're not yeah. always like retired porn star so-and-so. Yeah. Unless you want to be, which is right. cool too. Right. But I think we're we, it's so binary. Is it yeah. just people can only count to two in this world or something? It's good <laughs> or bad. It's yeah. black or white. It's yeah. Slut or saint. It's, I don't, I think there's more than two. Yeah. People can be so many different things. Yeah. And women can be sexual and they can, you know, make, create an industry out of their sexuality, but they can also do so many other things as well. You know, you can be, you can be a sexual woman and you can be an intelligent woman. Like you don't, you know, 
Like why why do you have to be one or the other? Well, you are, a, and I'm sure you've met a lot of women. Are I mean, sex workers are some of the smartest women I've known. Yeah, maybe that's what makes them scary to people. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, maybe we're inching along. I mean, you're part of this struggle to inch along. Yeah, I'm smart and I'm good and I'm kind and I also like to fuck. Yeah, like it's okay. <laughs> yeah, everybody fucks. Yeah, <laughs> most people, right? Well, it's not. Yeah, it's just not that big of a deal. Yeah, but you know. We're getting there and conversations yeah. like what are, you know, what's happening between you and I right now. I feel like Thanks. this is, this is part of the process that's, that's hopefully getting us there. You know, yeah. life's a journey, not a destination, right? This is it. And I think if some <laughs> of us who can, some have to closet, but mm-hmm. if, if some can to whatever degree possible uncloset, then maybe the humanity that you'll see, I have to believe it's harder to hate somebody and make a joke of their murder if you see them as the actual human being. Right. Like yourself. Right. So that is my hope that that the incredible viciousness toward sex workers of all kinds could could end. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. One can hope. Yeah, maybe. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Amy. This has been amazing. I've absolutely really enjoyed this conversation and I think you're a fascinating person. And I I, I really <laughs> I dig you. Thank you so much for all that you do. For women and for people and for me, late night with my iPad in my bed. I, yeah, it's done a lot for me. So, no, you create beautiful work in, in a lot of different ways. So, it's an honor. Thank you so much. Can you let everybody know where they can find you online, social media, website, that kind of thing? Sure. Um, you can see pictures and stuff of me on Instagram at, at Amy Taylor LA. And you can read the rubbish that comes out of my mind on Twitter at, at Amy Taylor number one. I couldn't get Amy Taylor. Um, and then I have the official website for like work stuff, which is amytaylor.com. Fantastic. And you guys can find me as always on Instagram and on Twitter at Holly Randall. Go to patreon.com slash Holly Randall unfiltered to support this podcast. If you only listen to this podcast, know that it is also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Holly Randall unfiltered. I also have a Facebook Facebook.com slash groups slash Holly Randall and filtered. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to my show. If you're a longtime listener or a new one, I've got a lot of interviews. So make sure you check out everything from the beginning of my catalog because there's some real gems back in the early days of the show. And if you enjoy this show, there's a couple of things that you can do to support it. First of all, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, rate me five stars, and leave a review. It's incredibly helpful to get my show up in the charts. Secondly, you can join my Patreon for as little as $5 a month and watch the interviews stream live, which, by the way, gives you access to my episodes way before anyone else. You can also get signed prints, books, merchandise, such as shirts and mugs, access to my private Snapchat, and a free membership to my website, hollyrandall.com. Plus, I offer tons of bonus content, Q&A with your favorite guests that you cannot hear on the free platforms, and of course, my exclusive bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life, that I do with my production manager, Eva. It gives you a real and hilarious insight into what it takes to run a small porn company like mine, because trust me, my job, though stressful, awkward, and facepalm ridiculous as it is sometimes... Well, it's never boring. And we definitely give you the juicy behind-the-scenes dish that you can't get anywhere else. Plus, Eva's dating life is absolutely hilarious, and she holds nothing back. 
So go to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered and join the community. Your support helps me in my journey to change people's minds about the adult industry and hopefully the lives of the people in it. Next week on the podcast, I have the blonde, blue-eyed, beautiful, and bubbly Brittany Amber. Boy, that was a lot of bees. Brittany is a veteran of the adult industry. I actually first worked with her back for my mom's website, Sue's Net, which we haven't shot for in years. So, so that was a while ago. And I've worked with her many times since then, and she's just a professional positive girl. And she's highly requested by my listeners. She's got a lot of different and unique interests like bow hunting, for example, which my boyfriend actually thinks is super cool. She's also a mother and she was very open talking about what it's like to raise a teenager in the age of the internet and social media where all of her friends can find Britney's videos online and basically kind of throw it in her daughter's face. This is this is a tough thing for mothers and adult to deal with. And Brittany was very open about that. And I super appreciate that because it's something that I think we should talk about more. This is just a reality. So make sure that you come back next week for Brittany Amber on Holly Randall Unfiltered. 